Um, I have to say something, and I forgot to say it at the top. Uh, so we went back to Indiana to visit family, and um, my mom commented that I always wear the same clothes <laughs> to church. And she says, it doesn't look good online. You're always wearing the same jacket. Um, so if you didn't know, mom, um, <laughs> I, I wore this after the Chiefs were like, had lost two or three in a row. They were, they were three and four. And I wore this on a Monday for the game, and they won. This is the first time I wore it this season. I've worn it every game since, and they've won. Now, I'm not superstitious, but I don't want to find out that I, that I should be. <laughs> so we're going to ride it out. Two more. Well, and then, and then three more. <clears throat> so there you go. That, and, and so we were, um, we were back home uh, last week. We did something we weren't able to do last year, which is our yearly tradition where Lily, Liz, and John, and I, we all do the, uh, the family Christmas tour of Indiana. My mom's in the north, her family's in the south, and relatives and friends in between. And so we made the rounds. I don't know if anyone does that every year or so where you visit all the relatives. It's a tradition I had... I was growing up, we had the same thing. Every year, my mom, my brother, and I, we would pack up in my mom's Buick Skyhawk hatchback, and we would head for the Field Family Christmas Tour in northern Iowa. Northern Iowa is not the most enticing winter destination, weather-wise, but, but for me, it was, a, it was a gastronomical paradise. So my mom's family is Norwegian, or I've learned it's actually Iowegian. And so we would spend two weeks eating spritz cookies, rosettes, krumkaka, lefse, and just a host of other treats. And over the break, when I was home, we were helping my mom go through some, some things. And we actually found my, this is my great aunt Olga. I told you we're Norwegian. My great aunt Olga's lefse recipe. If you don't know what lefse is, it's, a, it's like a potato tortilla that you put butter and sugar on. And you put enough sugar that it crunches when you take a bite. If you're me, it's delicious. And um, actually, every year when we were in Iowa, we would visit my Aunt Olga in her apartment. And whenever we were there, and I still remember one Christmas, I wound up in the wrong house. And I'm not sure how it happened. I, I was about this age. Um, we, we, we found that next to the Lessa recipe in the cabinet. I think it's very appropriate that they were together. Um, but so I was about that old, years old, and there was a whole herd of us that day to visit my Aunt Olga. Two aunts, an uncle, my grandparents, my mom, my brother, and I. And I was a really quiet kid, and so often I like faded into the background. And so in the hustle and bustle of everyone getting out of their cars and into Olga's, I somehow ended up across the street by myself in a complete stranger's house. I don't remember how long it took my family to notice I was missing. <laughs> Hopefully not like the, 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 the half a day plane ride to France like in Home Alone. Um, and even, or even like a day's walk from Jerusalem, like in our story today. But I know that I was mortified and terrified. I was a socially anxious little kid. I didn't like to talk, and I was particularly averse to new situations and new people. So this was like a nightmare scenario 
for me, and I'm not even sure ultimately like if I managed to squeak out Olga's name or if I just looked like a field and they knew who to call, but somehow my family, I was restored to my family. And, and to this day, whenever I walk up to an unfamiliar house, I'm always, I always have, I'm plagued by doubt and anxiety as to whether or not it's the right house. Anyone, has anyone ever been lost or separated from your family at an event? Or th- am I the only one who's ever been sep? <sighs> well, the memory sticks with you. <laughs> it happened to Jesus when he was 12 years old, and the memory of that moment has stuck with us for 2,000 years, thanks to, to Luke's gospel. And so like we heard, like many of, many of us, we, we, we know or we've heard from um, Dina, Jesus and, the, his, and, and his parents were in the midst of their annual holiday travel. They had gone to Jerusalem in the spring to the temple to celebrate Passover. So Jews are commanded by scripture to celebrate Passover every year. It's, it commemorates their rescue from slavery in Egypt. And adult male Jews of the day, if they could travel, if they were close enough, they were required to travel to the temple in Jerusalem, the sacrifice, and participate in the Passover meal. And so the fact that Jesus and Mary were also there tells us just how much, how devout this family was in their Jewish faith, that they would all travel there and were told every year. I imagine, though, this year was probably like any other year, the 11 before this, until Mary and Joseph were on their way back to Jerusalem. And this is what we read in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual, usual for the festival. And when the festival was ended and they started to return, The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. And then they started to look for him among their relatives and their friends. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And Jesus said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he had said to them. And then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you and praise you this day that we might come into your temple and be astonished by what you say to us. And so speak to us this day, O Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we said uh, at the beginning of worship, this is the second Sunday of Christmas. It's the second Sunday of a new sermon series, Growing Up Jesus. 
We're looking at moments in Scripture that offer us glimpses into Jesus' life before ministry. And maybe of the unique challenges Mary and Joseph faced in raising the Messiah. And so speaking of unique, by the way, Luke's gospel is the only gospel that contains a story between those 40 days old Jesus that we heard about last week and, and Jesus' baptism at 30 years old. This is the only glimpse we get of Jesus between 40 days old and 30 years old. I don't think it's a coincidence that he was 12 in this story, because in his final story of childhood, because no one, not even Jesus, wants to be reminded of their teenage years, right? Let's just leave that out of the Gospels if we could, please. As a church, though, I don't think we talk about this moment that much when we talk about Jesus or we think about Jesus' life. But really, it, it's crucial. And actually, Dina, you, you all did an amazing job. I don't even need to be up here, but I'm going to stay. Um, it's crucial to understand why Jesus, who Jesus is, and how we can experience his presence in our lives. Because for centuries, millennia, really since, since the, first Christian, the first Christians were talking about Jesus and exploring what it meant to follow Jesus, theologians have used this moment in Jesus' life to emphasize the fact that our Savior is both human and divine. Both fully human and fully divine. It's one of the hardest things to comprehend about Jesus. Like, how can he be both God and God's only begotten Son? Like, that doesn't add up. How can Jesus both be both human, fully human, and fully divine? And where does his humanity end and his divinity begin? I mean, it's at the heart of our belief in Jesus Christ, and in the end... It's a mystery. It's beyond our experience. It's, you can't explain it. You can't analyze it. You can't take it apart because for us, it's a foreign concept. It's a beautiful and blessed mystery. Jesus is fully human and fully divine in all that he is. And we see that here in his visit, his family visit to the temple. I mean, we see a fully human 12-year-old boy decide to do what he wanted to do without thinking about how anyone around him, much less his parents, might feel. Y'all know what that's like, right? We've all been there. We've all recklessly decided to do something, go somewhere, leave the house without telling the ones who love us, the ones who expect something different from us. And that's what Jesus did to Mary and Joseph. That's a very human thing to do. And can you imagine Mary and Joseph in that moment when they realized Jesus is gone, the panic that they felt? Not only have they lost their son, but but as Sidney told us, they misplaced the Messiah. (laughs) Like, that's tragic on an eternity-shattering level. You do not misplace the Messiah. And I think our first impulse might be to look down on Mary and Joseph as especially bad parents, epically bad parents. Like, how do you lose your own son? It's one of the hardest plot points to get over in Home Alone, right? Like, if you can't get over that, you can't enjoy the movie. If you think about it, Kevin would never really have been left home alone. That's illogical. Someone would have noticed. It's ridiculous. Only I've been there. (laughs) in someone else's home alone. (laughs) I was surrounded by people who loved me, who cared deeply for me, and who all trusted that someone else was keeping track of me. Jesus was there, or rather he was supposed to be there, 
surrounded by neighbors and friends and family, a whole close-knit village of people who loved and cared deeply for him, each one trusting that the other one was keeping track of little Yeshi. We've lost, I, I was going to ask how many of us have lost, has anyone ever lost track of their kid? Wow. So, all, so your parents were better parents than you. They didn't lose you, but right? It's terrifying, right? That panic, the fear, the feelings of failure. I can't imagine being a whole day's walk away from the last place that you saw your child. I can't imagine the journey back to Jerusalem for Mary and Joseph, checking every hill and hedge along the way, hoping to find him, hoping against hope that he would be around the next bend and then tearing apart Jerusalem for three days, looking for him, checking with friends and relatives in that holy city, the unimaginable becoming more and more real as the moments tick by, and then those conflicting moments of anger and relief that flood your body when you finally do find him, and the last place you think to look, glasses, keys, and kids, always you find them in the last place you think to look. And when they finally found him in the temple, the Greek tells us that they were out of their senses. Mary says, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. That's about a human moment, as human a moment as we get in Jesus' life. Typical 12-year-old, an all-too-human panic on his parents' part. And then those classic words, Child, your father and I... Like Mary invokes both parents as she reprimands the Messiah. You know what that means, right? Your mother and I, your father, and I, whatever is going to happen next, it ain't going to be good. Especially if your parents are upset enough to say those words in front of other people, right? Like right there in the temple with the scribes and the rabbis all gathered around. Your father and I. Well, Liz and I, we had a similar experience with John one summer. We were up in Iowa. My kids, by the way, get Iowa in the summer. It's much more forgiving than Iowa in the winter. We were at my mom's cousin's place. It's full of relatives. And a bunch of us, we'd taken a walk down. It's in Osage, Iowa. There's a Cedar River, and, and it was about a quarter mile through some trees from the house. So we walked down to look at the river. It was really cool. And we, we were pretty sure, you know, John was with us on the way there, and we were pretty sure he was with us on the way back. Only now, after about a half hour sitting around the house, we, we looked around and we had that panicked realization, where's John? And like me, John is quiet and unassuming. He can blend into the background and he didn't like to be in unfamiliar places or unfamiliar people. In fact, John was rarely out of sight, even at home alone. He was always around us and right there, but now he's nowhere. We looked everywhere, all around the outside of the house. We're calling his name, upstairs, downstairs. Even, you ever do this? We started looking in irrational places, like behind shower curtains, like he's going to pop out, ah, you know, and possibly small toy boxes he would never fit in, but you look anyway, under beds, no John. I was near meltdown, panic attack mode. Liz was too. And I, can, I don't know if you do this, like I can feel the memory of that moment in my body. And eventually one of my cousins went down to check by the river 
And I don't think Liz and I actually wanted to consider checking there because neither of us wanted to consider what could have happened to an eight-year-old boy next to a fast-flowing river on his own. But the next thing we hear are the sweetest three words you ever want to hear. We found him. He was with my aunt, Jerry. He had taken her down to see the river. Like, I, and, and by the way, I always wonder, like, I feel bad for my aunt, because in, in all that crazy worry, no one bothered to ask, where's Jerry? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, <laughs> we, we, we overlooked my aunt. <laughs> but normally, you know, like Jesus, John was in the, or naturally, I mean, like Jesus, John was in the last place anyone looked. And like Jesus, he was in the care of a familiar, safe, and loving relative. I mean, they were both entirely human experiences, our experience with John and Mary and Joseph's experience with Jesus. Only what Jesus says next reminds us that while Jesus is fully human, he is also fully what? Divine. Because remember, Mary says to him, your father and I, and she means Joseph. Your human father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. And Jesus' response, why were you searching for me? And then, did you know that I must be where? In my father's house. In my heavenly father's house. In God's house. The temple. I must be in God my father's house because this Jesus, this 12-year-old Yeshi, is the Messiah the Savior, the Word who was with God in the beginning and who is God. I mean, the teachers in the temple, like, this is the Harvard of rabbis, right? The teachers in the temple were amazed and astonished by this 12-year-old and what he was teaching them. Like Mary and Joseph, the Greek tells us again, they were out of their senses, but for very different reasons. I mean, this kid can't be human to be sharing wisdom and truth like that. They're right. He's divine. Fully divine. And fully human. Luke reminds us of this with the very last words of chapter 2. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and what? Human favor. Divine and human. Jesus Christ, son of God, Yeshi, son of Joseph and Mary. You know, when I first began thinking about this scripture, I, I identified with Mary and Joseph. I identified with their panic at losing their child, at misplacing Jesus, as forgetting where to find him with a human moment. I, and I'm all too human, like we all are. If these last two or 2,000 years have taught us anything, it's that we as a people of God are all too human. And I also wonder, like Dina said, like I wonder if we have lost sight of Jesus sometimes, right? In what ways have we misplaced our Messiah? In what ways have we misplaced Jesus? In what ways have we followed the crowds and found ourselves heading in the opposite direction from Jesus? In what ways have we 
found ourselves filled with anxiety and struggling to make the hard journey back, retracing our steps to find the last place where we truly knew Jesus. In some cases, we're forgetting the most obvious places to find him, the most obvious place to experience Jesus at his father's house. It's a safe place, a familiar place, a sacred place. It's home. But then, the more I thought about it, I've also felt myself identifying quite a bit with my eight-year-old self. I've been on this journey my whole life, this pilgrimage, really, to see Jesus to experience my Savior, to commune with the Messiah, but somehow, how often have I ended up in the wrong house? How many times in my life have I ended up in the wrong house? How many times have I lost my way? How many times have I listened to the crowds, the television, the talk radio, all the talking heads, the memes, the tweets, and the broken cravings of my broken heart? and wound up looking for Jesus, for wholeness, for fulfillment in the wrong houses. We all have. It's it's who we are. We're all too human. But now, here we are in this divine space where the fully human and the fully divine overlap in this broken world. I mean, that's what the temple represented back in Jerusalem, the place, the one place on earth where the divine and the human could come together, despite the broken humanity, that they could coexist. Even today, the prayer is that this might be a place of all places where our, div- where our humanness and God's divinity might come together. That this might be the right house, our Father's house. And so in 2022, let's commit to spending our days in this house, to losing ourselves in this house, to bringing our children and our grandchildren, and our neighbors to this house, showing others the way to this house, so that like Jesus, we might continue to increase in wisdom as we increase in years, and that we might increase in both divine and human favor. Amen? Amen.